What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. In today's podcast, as we talk about family banking, kind of thinking, um, how do we fund a child's life? Lots of things came up in this, but I, you know, look, you and I were dumb kids. We made lots of mistakes. And I think I want to learn from that, but also know that my kids need to be involved in the discussion. Well, I mean, what better way for them to learn than while you're with them? Like, I, I think that's one of the major flaws we actually pulled out of this uh, interview from the roundtable is that so many families don't ever spend the time learning with their kids or, or helping them to learn about money while they're under their roof and, and showing them a system that they can use and implement. And then what happens after that? Well, put it on their own. I, I think sometimes uh, as parents, we remember how stupid our kids were when they were kids. It's like, that's the kid who stuck a crayon up his nose, <laughs> right? Yeah. I don't think I want to give that kid money. Yeah. That's like, they were six. Yeah. Right? Dude, I mean, cut them a break. If you judge them based upon the things that they did when they were seven or eight, when they're 20 and 28, that, that's not fair. No. No. In fact, I think it's a, it's a much, it's a marathon, right? I think that's another thing that came out of this show for me is thinking about, man, money in a family is a marathon game. It's not you and I individually in a race, all separate. We're all on the same team, but it's a really long race. Do, do you think I, that you are saying we are on the same team? I believe that there's so many families operating in competition with each other. Oh, no doubt. No that doubt. They believe that it is. I mean, I, I've had a parent not too long ago tell me, look, I know that you are doing that this way in your family, but I just got back from a funeral and the kids are not in agreement about anything. They're actually in disagreement about a lot of stuff. There's even some hate there and they're just not going to like each other. You just can't assume that your kids are always going to do it this way. And I was like, wait a second. Where does that stem from? Like, why is that's there... a symptom? Yeah, I do. I, yeah, exactly. When they are not involved in the discussions, when there's this competition constantly, and I'm the most competitive out there, but we're not trying to win this game against them. We're actually trying to win with them. Yeah, that that's a great point. And to your point, there are symptoms that reveal the fact that there really was no financial base. There was no foundation that the family built together. And so you shouldn't expect there to be um, agreement. There's nothing tying them together. Well, so, you know, Megan and I and the family went out to Utah and spent some time like going through this entrusted process. And in that we were determining what our family's core values were. 
And through that, we revealed that creativity, experience, faith, generosity, loyalty, those were the five defining characteristics that our family was going to have. Well, it's, it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to go through that process. But then it's how are we going to back that up? What are the things that we're going to put in place for our family from this day going forward? And when we're not here, our kids, as they're interacting with the money, hopefully that we've been able to, to build and the processes and the businesses, that they will use those five core values to define how they work together and with money in the future. Well, the, the key there was those core values weren't things that you came up with and told the family, this is what we're about. You did it together. You already set that foundation. And it wasn't like dollars and cents. It was these are the things that are going to define the way we make decisions as a family. And how we will aspire to be better. What we we look at, because money is just one part of the wealth. It's really just the tool. It's the the way we uh, buy goods and services. That's what wealth is. And the education that comes with that is much more important. Well, and and by the way, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait a minute, I thought we were talking about like funding kids colleges and cars and weddings. We absolutely are talking about that today. But here's the thing that you're going to find, just like I did, is when you start this whole process of infinite banking and you start thinking about the immense cost of life, about all those things, you're going to say, I got to fund a policy or a system of policies at a, at a much higher level than I've ever thought was necessary. But beyond that, it becomes the, the function or the system by which you then create this legacy that I'm, I'm so proud of you guys for going and, and building all those core values as a family and starting that whole process. But that's where this really leads to. So start with those costs and, and then say, man, this system is going to be, it's going to be with us for a, a lifetime or beyond. And uh, we're excited for you to, to go along that journey with us. All right. If you're not already, go to wealthwellwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. The discussion after this podcast, I would say Joey was even better than the podcast oh. itself. We had a lot of fun in the podcast, a lot of good nuggets. But man, the Q&A that just kept coming for, we went over our 30 minutes usually that we have. We kept going because the questions were there. You get actually to take part in those discussions when you're an Inner Circle member. You get access to these coaches every single week. You get the insider knowledge that is just not able to be given on the podcast when you're a member of the Inner Circle. There is a seven-day free trial, so if you go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash Inner Circle, you can take part in that. Now, let's get to the interview, and let's belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the IBC Roundtable, where each week we go deep into your favorite subject. I am the idea guy, Russ Morgan. I am sitting around the table with the best coaches in the infinite banking world. And I want to talk to them, and I want to introduce you to them right now. To my right, my co-host, my business partner, the man that we refer to as the Italian Stallion. He's got a license plate to prove it, Mr. Joey Murray. What's up, Joey? 
Hey, hey, glad to be here. Glad to have a great subject matter to, to, to share with everybody today. What are we talking about today? We're talking about kids. I mean, I think you and I probably have the biggest bill ahead, but funding my child's life. Yeah. You, this, is the one, this is the one thing, Joey, that you have beat me in. <laughs> kids. You got to keep, keep trying. <laughs> you have conquered that one, and you're, you got out to a lead, and I will not catch you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, letting me win that one. All right. Well, the, the newly married man to our right, the Indiana Jones of finance, Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. How are you today, Ernie? I'm great, Russ. Glad to be here. All right. So question of the day. Sounds excited to be here, really. Joey has five kids. I have four. Have you guys been discussing the number of brown kids that will happen? No kids, no problems. No kids, no problems? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm okay with you guys not having kids yet, but I'm just wondering, like, is it is it going to be a a Duggar family or is it going to be, you know, two kids and a dog kind of thing? I I have no idea, Russ, to be honest. Mm. We have, yeah, it is a conversation on the table. Ernie is so wise, man. He just, he's just not even going to take your bait. I'm, I'm just watching him. Just I trying can't. to see if I can, I'm just <laughs> seeing if I can get him here. That, <laughs> that door is shut. <laughs> well, I mean, for your sake, and you, you know, for a healthy marriage, I hope it's open, you know, hope it's open. <laughs> It's on All the right. table, but that door is shut. <laughs> All right. The man between two bamboo, our resident pilot, the guy that can get you home safely financially, the Gooch, Mark Car Gucci. What's up, Mark? How much, guys? We're here. It must mean it's Thursday. Let's do this. It, it, it is. Technically, for those listening, it is Tuesday, but we do record this on Thursday because we've got to prepare for Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. Now... Our last but not least coach, the man with the million-dollar smile, Mr. Incredible, J.D. Hill. What's up, J.D.? Not a whole lot. I, I am curious. Um, we're all men here on the show, at least. Uh, does anybody else, when you go shopping, do you, do you mannequin shop? I've Meaning never bought a mannequin into, in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you walk into the store, and you like the way the mannequin is set up, and you're like, I'll take that outfit? Mm-hmm. I've done that because that's that's how I do it. I'm an efficient shopper. I hate shopping, and um, I got I got uh, um, given a hard time today about my my double collar, and I'm like, this is what was on the mannequin, and I like the way it looked, and so I decided to wear it, and um, and I like it. You do have that kind of Ryan Gosling, um, crazy stupid love. What what was that movie with him and Steve Carell in it? Like I. Where he basically had him wearing like 14 shirts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Are you the billionaire owner of, 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 of Apple? Are you Steve Jobs? <laughs> well, I mean, we're talking kids today, and there's no doubt that JD is going to have a kid sighting at some point in his backdrop. So I love that. I, I hope that maybe we have, you know, a lot, a lot of kid that we get to get into the shot. Well, we're not just talking about kids for any purpose, though. This is something that is near and dear to our heart because we want to teach generational wealth. True? No doubt. And I, when we're talking about how to fund my child's life, that could mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So, J.D., I'm going to let you start this one. What's the first thought that comes to mind? Uh, I think, um, you know, I think about actually putting IBC policies on my kids to 
um, you know, to teach them how to, to manage their finances. Okay. Earn. What's the first thought that comes to your mind? I, this is a long time ago. Somebody told me or I read somewhere that it costs on average $250,000 to raise a kid. And I thought then, and I still think now, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that, that was before they started printing dollars. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mark, initial take. Uh, my mind goes to braces, school, car, clothes, and I just remember shoes. Shoes yes. because they barely fit and it was time for a new pair. And I, you know what? Thank goodness my parents didn't make me go around barefoot. So... There, there you go. In Alabama, they say that barefoot is okay or is expected, maybe. Maybe not okay, but expected. So you guys weren't the guys that your dad was like, hey, um, you'll grow into these. They're about three sizes too big. You're like, dad, these are these are like scuba shoes. These like, are these 11 are, and a half. These are flippers. Okay. I'm in the third grade. It's like, <laughs> you can wear my penny loafers. Just stick some socks in the bottom of them. <laughs> Hey, if you did not rock your dad's no hassle tassels, I mean, <laughs> like, were you, were you really putting his shoes on is the question. Oh my goodness. See, I didn't even get to wear my dad's because my, my parents were divorced. So I was rocking my, my mom's white Reeboks. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a sad day around the house. Tie-dye shirt and some white Reeboks. Mm. Hyper color shirt at that. Man. Joey, what comes up? That's a big, that's a good picture. <laughs> I got one for you. I'll, I'll share that picture with you at some point. Tell me, tell me what the, what comes to your mind when we think about funding your child's life? I think this is literally one of the, the first things that even kind of brought me into the infinite banking world was I was thinking about at the time I only had two girls and I was thinking, man, just paying for college. I got to find a good way to do that. And the 529 plan seemed like a joke. It didn't, didn't meet any of the criteria that I would have wanted. And so I heard this and I was like, makes a lot of sense for college savings. But then um, I also remember applying what Nelson said in his, uh, the first couple of times I heard him, he said, if you saw, you have to solve for finance in your life, your need for finance is so much greater than your need for death benefit. And at the time I was like, yeah, you know what? He's right. Like buying cars, all those things that you mentioned, Mark, like braces and college and weddings and weddings. And <laughs> since then weddings and weddings and weddings. And I started thinking I had to fund a massive amount of cash into this policy. And I had a $2 million term policy at the time when I started putting over $60,000 a year into policies and solving for that finance kind of piece, I ended up with over $3 million of death benefit. And that of course has been climbing ever since, but that that's the thing that comes to my mind is how many dollars are going to have to flow through my system just to pay for, you know, Ernie, I'm sorry to tell you the 250,000 that's, that's a steal. <laughs> <Going up. laughs> Sign up for whoever said that was the cost. That, Amen. That's right. That, 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 got, that got the first part of the wedding taken care of. I don't know where the rest of our life's going. And here, here's the thing. I, I think that I'm going to try to incorporate into my girls' weddings. This can become a sales event. Like we're going to have to like sign people up for something. While they're <laughs> Listen, immediately after the service, uh, we're going to, we're going to put on a little presentation here. I mean, I, I need to be able to write something Stay off. Seated. 
somebody's gonna have to you know buy something to help produce some income for this deal dwelling unit rental whatever <laughs> exactly hey i think we need to host this event at the house like <laughs> oh you want to have this uh sentimental you know like show where i grew up yeah exactly and i can write that thing you know <laughs> i can have the business write a check to our personally because it keeps underneath the 14 days of rental unit yeah i, I mean this I, was I a wedding right. reception <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I mean, you've got to have that. Well, here's the thought that comes to my mind is I remember many years ago reading a book by Dwayne Brunel, The Path to Financial Peace of Mind. Yep. Great book. And going through that and just seeing each step of the way that kind of detailed, okay, here's how he, when he went through it, the example he used was buying the first car for his daughter then using it to help fund some college expenses, ultimately paying off college when she got out, using it uh, to for, for a wedding, then using it for their own personal passive income steps, then being able to then, once they pass, leaving that to the child and the child being able to, to create their own passive income stream. And it was all, it. And it was all based off of him funding a policy on his daughter. Exactly. Right? I, okay. I just remember that as a, as a really vivid kind of example and it just led, obviously, when I was reading that almost, I don't know, nine years ago, my oldest was six. And so I was trying to like, and his daughter in the book was eight. And so I was starting to think, oh, I can do that. So I you know, immediately went and started a policy on Alexandria and then on Cade and then Betsy and then ultimately Orion. And so that was helpful to me to kind of have that as a as kind of a clear picture. No, I, I, I love that book because it, to me, is almost like whenever I read Nelson's book and saw the car example, that really made the whole concept make sense. Then to see his book and applying it to kids, it, it just, like you said, it just kind of lays out the plan. You're like, oh, well, that, that's easy. I could do that too. Well, I, I think though there, there lies a, a challenge right? That we have always have to overcome. So there's a really interesting goal, right? That we would plan either for our current children or children that we may have in the future. And, and for anybody who doesn't have children, you want to support ours, I'll gladly accept your money that we, <laughs> we need help with that 250,000 that I was talking about. So what are some of those just challenges that come to your mind that you can think of that people might face by trying to fund their child's life? First thing I think of is it's the same problem we talk about on this show all the time is the number one kind of obstacle to financial freedom is the same thing that's a challenge for funding your kids future or even their current current livelihood is access to cash people have knowingly or unknowingly or unwillingly um kind of followed a default plan that is separating them from their cash and putting into qualified plans, putting into equity in their home, putting into excess payments on debts, all these things are constantly stealing dollars away from your own access. And so then people get to even college age or buying cars or all these things we mentioned, and they're forced to go put them on debt or forced to go and say, well, we'll just get this parent plus loan, the student loan with you and we'll work something out. Like, they, if they had access to capital the whole time, they, they would have been easily able to accomplish all these things, but they just been following a default plan that, that didn't put them in that control factor. Ernie, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I just think about, uh, there's, there's a few families in our church. We'll go over to the house. They've got kids. And I mean, you got kids in the house. I'm seeing what it's like in there. It's 
chaos. <laughs> it's mayhem. <laughs> and I hear you guys talk about what you do with your kids on the weekends and it's just crazy busy. Yeah. And I think there's, I think that keeps, keeps people, and I can see this, keeps people from really thinking way down the road, just kind of thinking about what's the next week, what's the next week, what's the next week. I'm thinking about kids going to college, oh, we go buy a car, oh, they're leaving the house. That emotional kind of piece too. Mm. But from, from the beginning, looking way down the line and dreaming, we've got an opportunity here, Joey, I agree. What if, what if we had access to lots of cash? What if we position our kids to have access to cash? What kind of mm. decisions could they be making if we spent this time really teaching and bringing kids along in, what are you doing with money? What is dad doing with money? What, what decisions are mom and dad making about their money and, and just thinking way down the line, I really think it's a, it's a huge opportunity if you can have that vision amidst the busyness. And it really creates an opportunity, I think, for family stewardship. Oh, I love that. I want to come back to that because I, I got some points on that, I think. Okay. I've heard enough about infinite banking. I'm pretty sure it's a fit for me and my family, Russ. How do I get started? Let's take that pretty sure and make it darn sure. The reason you do that is that you get clarity, Joe. You need to get on a 15-minute call with one of our coaches at westwellwallstreet.com forward slash free call. Then you'll know where you're starting from and where you're headed, and only then can you implement the infinite banking process. All right, so go to westwellwallstreet.com forward slash free call to get that 15-minute conversation, gain clarity, but now let's jump back into today's episode. JD, what, what do you think some of the challenges facing parents thinking through this subject matter? Well, you know, we're, we're a product of our own experiences, right? And, you know, outside of um, being exposed to these types of things, it's tough to then instill those things into our children. And, you know, so unless you take the time yourself, you know, to be on this podcast or to do research or to be around other people that are doing things uh, that are rather that are, that are having success financially. I think the challenge is, is, is just experience in and of itself um, is not having that experience and then not being able to then instill that into your kids. And, um, you know, I know for me, like I didn't grow up, you know, with a very affluent family. I didn't grow up um, having learned about finance, uh, I learned that it was okay to spend money, <laughs> right? And, and I did that successfully. And then I was very fortunate to marry a wife who also does that successfully, right? And, um, you know, and so <laughs> there it is. You got it. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, IPC is in funding your kids gets lives is, to me, you know, because I've got three boys, is it allows me to be so much more intentional with them, right? And and how we make financial decisions, um, you know. And so I agree with Ernie. It's 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 a great opportunity um, to to be able to teach your kids something different. Well, I think you know the opportunity to engage with our parents and us to be able to engage with our kids is important. Joey, you said it a lot of times on our show that people operate in silos when it comes to their finances. It's taboo to talk about money in the family. It's taboo to ask a parent to, to take a loan because that's not what we do. Now, there's got to be a defining line between loans and gifts. That's right. 99% of the loans that people are 
nervous about talking about or giving to family members are gifts, right? Say 99.3. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were reading, Joey and I are kind of starting to reread uh, The Richest Man of Babylon. And it was, it was kind of referring to the people you lend money to um, desire the money, but have the ability to pay it back. Meaning that you're lending it against something with collateral. Yeah. Right. So when somebody says, Hey, I want to buy a business, they show you the business and all the assets and say, I'd like to take a loan to buy this business, just like a bank is not going to give you an uncollateralized loan for a million dollars. It's just not going to do it. Right. So you shouldn't do that in family either. So if someone in your family is getting a loan, it needs to be collateralized. Now, there are times where kids make mistakes. I've been one of them. And we've come to our parents and said, Hey, we need your help. Now, we may accidentally or um, unintentionally use the word loan in there, right? But let's just be clear. Everybody knows uh, this isn't coming back, right? I'm giving this money to help. And if I'm bridging a gap, just, you know, I sit on the mercy committee for our church. There's times where we're trying to bridge a gap, get somebody from one place to the next. Giving money can be merciful in that situation. There's also times where it's not going to bridge a gap. It's only going to delay the inevitable. So giving them money is actually a bad idea. You know, like you're not going to help them in that. Helping maybe the most merciful thing we can do sometimes with our kids and anybody else is to let them suffer the pain of that that thing and figure it out. No doubt. Uh, no doubt. Now, with that in mind, though, I want to I want to talk a little bit, Mark, because we've had some discussions about this. And how, how do you see this playing out? Conversations with parents starting to talk about money. How do all these things work in uh, in your world? Growing up for me, uh, money was not something we talked about, um, whether that was a, a family decision or a cultural decision. Um, but for me growing up, you know, in Hawaii, uh, money was, was not something you talked about. And I, and I think a lot of it, too, was that uh, we didn't have the, the, the trust and the responsibility to be uh, careful with that information. Because you don't want to talk about money and then just go start blabbing to everybody how much your parents make, because that, that that's not how this thing works. Um, but now, as time has progressed, you know, now that we're we're adults, um, the, the the conversation is there, and it's really nice to be able to have these open conversations of, you know, hey, you know, here, here, here's a financial scenario. Let's talk about that. You know, okay, what are the pros? What are the cons? What are the things we can do? And how can we maybe manipulate this scenario to bring the banking function inside the family so that now any of that interest any of that expense if you will if it stays in the family well then to me I, it doesn't bother me how much it is like i, I entered into a, a a loan scenario with uh, another family member and i said look i'm, I'm going to eat it on this one i'll, I'll eat the interest cost but it's going to keep that amount of capital within the family so if an emergency ever happens, you just call me, I'll unleash the capital to you. But now we don't have to go beg a bank for it. We don't have to try and qualify for it. We don't have to deal with whatever the external rules are. The only rule we have is, you know, our our family dynamic and the agreement that we made at the start, which is if you need that money, call me, I'll give it right back. Well, so this is a and for many people, I think probably tuning in to listen to this episode, they're thinking, okay. How does this apply to my kids? And they're they're most likely not in their 60s, 70s, or 80s. And if you are, man, hallelujah, I'm, I'm loving that you listen to our show. But listening to most of the people who are calling in telling us, hey, listen to the show, they're thinking about 
college-age kids, teenage kids, middle school kids, right? And the discussions we're having right now are applying more to us as adult kids. And I, I think that we all never, as we kind of said, we didn't have these discussions with our parents because money, for whatever reason, whether it didn't exist or it was taboo or cultural or whatever for us to talk about it, we didn't. But we have the ability to change it. I, I, I mean, the fact that we're breaking free of the mindset of Wall Street, and I think one of those mindsets is, and we had a guy that we were interviewing yesterday, like verbalize this, verbalize this, right? Whenever he said about, you know, his money being put into like a 401k IRA, he, he, he forgot, forgot that it even existed. Yeah. It was like it even didn't exist. I think it was something like the words that he said. And I feel like this is something we do need to talk about, like the being able to get into these discussions with our children. If you listen to Joey and I have the interviews with our oldest daughters about money, it's amazing. Their little brain starting to conceptualize ideas of how money works and it becomes more normal for us to talk about it. Yeah, they're applying these ideas in their own way at this stage in life. But what I love about the whole concept of infinite banking is exactly what you said, JD, and it's going to grow over time. And we obviously have not experienced this in its fullness yet, but I feel like at each kind of layer or level of our kids growth, we can introduce this as a, as a um, system, right? That the family owns and operates. And, and Russ, I know you've been learning some different things about the trust side of things and how to set up your legacy that will outlive you by generations. But I, I even think about the here and now that if we had been taught this kind of thing, we would be having conversations at a whole different level with our parents at this stage. But the good news is right now, if you're listening to this, you are in position to become that patriarch matriarch of your family that sets the system up and then educates. I mean, at this point I'm educating my parents on it and my kids simultaneously. And we're able to now look at it much, much broader and say, wait a minute. Well, you got money over here. Why are you doing that? Well, I, this is just what we've always done. And I, we've never had these conversations before. I'm talking about with my parents and they're like, well, what, what should I do? And I'm like, well, you know, we could, we can do this thing together. Like I can help you to get a better return and simultaneously build the passive income streams that we're trying to build. So it just becomes a conversation that people are like, oh, well, I didn't even think about that. And you're, you're in position to be the difference maker that you don't have to say, oh, well, it was me. I wish I'd grown up with this. Now you're that person and you can, like I said, you can lead from both sides. Well, I think you might be the child in this funding, the child's life, right? Like you may be the initiator of that. Hmm. Ernie, as we, as we start to wrap up, because obviously we want to go into the inner circle. We want to have a lot of discussion, even go through maybe in a case study example on this. What final thoughts do you have? Well, it's making me just think forward. What do I want for my family? And I just imagine sitting around the dinner table, just sharing with the kids. This is what we've got going on. We want to tell you about these things. What questions do you have? What ideas do you have? And as they get older, them coming back and sharing ideas of things that they want to do and be in a position where we could fund that for them. 
mm-hmm. and having rules set in place. And if we need to get trusts involved with longer term to protect that and create some guidance, and I think that's all possible here. That's Mark, great. What's your, your final thoughts on? My thought is as, as, as we try to wrap our head around, how can I utilize this to, to fund those things that would come up in, in a kid's life? My thought is if you have looked at long-term rentals or even your own house or your car, right? There are going to be expenses that come up for that along the way. How are you planning for those expenses? Are you just taking dollars and putting it in a checking account and just letting it sit there, do nothing for you? Mm. Could you just as easily say, you know what, rather than putting that 50, 60, hundred bucks or whatever into the bank and let it do nothing. Could I direct some or all of that into a policy, have that policy grow when that moment arises anywhere from five, 10, 15, 20, whatever the time horizon is, think of like a water heater going out in your house. It's going to happen at some point. Your, your, your kids are going to need some expense. Couldn't you put those dollars to work today? Let it grow and then leverage against it in the future to, to manage that. But what did you get along the way? You got all those other benefits that go with that system. Love it. JD. Yeah. Um, I think there's been some amazing insights and things that have been shared. I know for me, I've got three young boys. Uh, I'm, I'm behind, uh, uh, you, you guys, um, you know, but between the three of us, we have enough kids for everybody. Right. Um, but for me, it, it, it just makes me really appreciate how, when we talk to people about how making financial decisions with IBC, how it forces you to be intentional and very active in that decision-making process on those financial decisions. When you incorporate that with your kids, that trans that translates over and, and, and transfers over the same way. So I can, like I said before, be very intentional rather than reactive or passive when I'm teaching my kids about making financial decisions. And for me, I just think being engaged in that, financial literacy, if you will, is so important to teach my kids because I know for a fact that's not something they're going to learn. And what they are going to learn in the real world is going to be antithetical to what we're actually teaching them, which is how to actually get to freedom rather than to be in bondage. No, I mean, what you said a lot there was how we teach them. And if you think back, we, we watched and observed our parents do things with money and a lot of that is how we react. But it, most likely, for many of us, there was not a whole lot of actual teaching. This is what you do. And today, what are, what are people being taught to do with money for kids? Where are they taught to put money? 529 plan. 529 plan, right? The first thing that you can think of that you would have a need to save for, invest for, whatever it is, is college for your child. So how active is the child in that first investment? Zero. Zero. How active is the parent in that first investment for the child? Zero. Yeah, it, it is literally they're just flipping money out of their account every single month to this thing. They get a statement. They don't understand what the statement is. They put it in a drawer and they move on. There's no education that happens there. What I love about that our clients who are buying insurance policies on their kids and constantly, like every time I love it when I get the call, Hey, by the way, my wife's pregnant. Tell me again, how old the kid has to be before I get a policy like that. I just love that concept because what that's telling me is they're starting to think 
about how quickly can I engage my child in this process? Because as soon as I took a policy loan out to buy my daughter's car, she immediately then was involved in the discussions, right? Oh, we're going to take a policy loan to buy your first short-term rental. Okay, here's what that looks like. So now she's asking me questions. How much money did my unit make last month? She's sitting in the meeting with our short-term rental operator. Show me how much money my unit made. <laughs> Show me last the money. Month. That is engagement. Well, then we went and sat down with um, some estate attorneys and they were involved in the discussion. We talked about what is our family's core values? What is important to us? What is going to be the purpose in which we value these assets? And then we're going to meet regularly to discuss that. I, like, I think them having experience being around attorneys, being around real estate people, being around accountants, being around finance people. Like, I love it when our, our clients want to engage their kids in the process because they, they're going to experience at some point in the future. And if it's the first time, think about how nervous and scary that is. The first time I ever sat down with a financial person, my wife had gotten $10,000 from her grandfather. He was kind of, kind of preparing and he's just started sending all the grandkids $10,000. Now, $10,000, when we got that check, it was like, it might as well have been a million dollars. <laughs> And we went and sat down with a financial person like, I don't know what we do with all this money. Yeah, you know? I'm sure he hadn't seen checks that big in, in <laughs> yeah. a long time. Like, I, I know that, you know, like, don't don't let him know that, you know, there's no more where that came from. But just <laughs> pretend. Right. I mean, but I, we were scared. Like, we didn't know what to do with it. I'd never been prepared for that. I'd never sat down with a financial person and, and had those discussions. Well, how much can we do for our kids by teaching them? And here's one last thing I'll say about this is sometimes. I hear parents who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s who have acquired a lot of money and will not spend it all, right? And they don't want to do what we're talking about. They don't want to do the family banking thing. They don't want to invest in the businesses of the kids. They don't want to do lending with the kids. They don't want to get the kids involved because they're like, I, I just don't think they'll know how to do it. I'm like, okay, great. So your strategy then is not to educate them why you can, while you're here, Obviously, you did a, a, an amazing job acquiring the money, right? You, there's so many lessons and wisdom in you acquiring it that you're going to wait till you die. Then they're going to get it, and you have no ability to input uh, their decision-making from that point forward. How's that going to work out? Exactly. It's, it's the most retarded thing. Now, I get if they think, oh, well, hey, there's a certain amount of money that I may need, so I need to keep this off to the side. But for everyone who has more than that number, like get the kids involved right then. Don't, I'm not saying give it to them. So they can go buy Lambos, right? That This isn't like, Oh man, nice. That's some money. You know, now it's an opportunity for us to splurge. I'm saying like, get them involved and be a part of the investment discussion with them, help them with the wisdom. If they're going to listen to this podcast and go take advantage of a new opportunity they've heard here, be involved in that decision-making, give that wisdom. So if this is, you're listening to this and you go, I've got a parent who needs to hear this. Please share this because I think there's so much opportunity as family members for us to take and insulate ourselves from the financial markets because things are going to get crazy. I just let you know things about to get crazy in the world if they're not already crazy. And the more we can insulate ourselves from the world by, by doing business internally, the better off we're going to be. Final shot. No doubt. Um, I think you did a great job just kind of tying this up with a bow. Uh, we are about to jump into the inner circle, though. 
And in that inner circle, we're going to go deep into a case study. And you're not going to want to miss that. So if you're not already a part of the inner circle, you're going to miss this live, but you can always go back and listen to the recording. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash inner circle. And we'd love to have you a part of this uh, conversation going forward. All right. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.